Titus chapter number 2. But speak thou the things which become sound doctrine. Notice that but. But. That means there's a continuation from what's previous. We'll get there in just a minute. But speak thou the things which become sound doctrine. That the aged men be sober, grave, temperate, sound in faith, in charity, in patience. Father, would you bless your word tonight. God, would you help us as we try to preach the word of God. God, try to say everything that, that you have said. God, help me to not veer from the word of God, but to be true to it. And God, to, to preach it with passion, to preach it with power, to preach it with conviction, to preach with authority. But most of all, help me preach with the spirit of God. And Father, I pray that you'd help us receive the word of God, that we might make application to our life. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. And amen. The theme of chapter number one of Titus is Paul, under inspiration of the Holy Ghost, is challenging this young pastor, Titus, to challenge the pastors of the churches of, of this island of Crete to set in order the things that were wanting. Notice in your Bible, chapter number one and verse number seven, the Bible says, or verse number five, for this cause left I thee in creed that thou shouldest set in order, set in order the things that are wanting. The things that are wanting. Now, in these churches on the island of Crete, different things were wanting. There were different things that were needed in the different churches that were on the island of Crete. Some of those churches needed leaders ordained. They needed to ordain pastors in those churches. Why was that so important? Because a church is not a church without a pastor. And may I say this, these churches around here that can last about a year or two without a pastor are not a local New Testament church. A church, a New Testament church must have a man of God overseeing the work of God in that community. And so they need a church. So some of those churches needed to have pastors ordained. Some of those churches needed to have oversight of discipline in the churches. Uh, those, there were some people in the churches that were not living in accordance to the word of God and there needed to be oversight and how to discipline those people in the right manner according to the word of God, but also to oversee the bad doctrine that had been taught in the churches, to oversee the correcting of the doctrine of the churches. So some of them needed to ordain pastors, and some needed to oversee the discipline, and the, uh, the oversee the discipline in the church. But then there were some churches that just needed some organization. They needed to know where are we going to meet? What time are we going to meet? What day are we going to meet? They needed just some practical application to the house of God. They needed a practical organization of how we're going to do this thing called church. How are we going to assemble together? And some of those churches had different needs, different things that were wanting in the church. And it was Titus's duty to set those things in order. That's what God called him to do. And that's what God has called the pastor to do, to set things in order and then to maintain 
maintain that order, uh, to make sure that things are going right down at the church. Uh, And listen, that's what God has ordained Titus to do in Crete, and that's what Titus has challenged those men as they come behind him, that they are to maintain the order in the church. And listen, the qualifications of those men are given clearly. I don't believe there's any mistake about the qualifications of a pastor found in Titus chapter number 1. Now there'll be a lot of people that will try to twist and turn the scriptures to make it say what they want to about the qualifications. But the Bible is clear about the qualifications of the pastor. We'll talk more about that in a minute. What I find in the book of Titus is that God loves the church. God has a heart for the church. And God wants, has a desire that the church operate in order and to be a place of sound doctrine. Are you listening tonight? Some of you ain't listening. Some of you are so distracted about something else. You ought to get right with God tonight. Hey, listen. Hey, listen. The pastor is to set things in order and then to maintain things in order. Here's why. Because God loves the church. And if God didn't love the church, he just lets you do what you want to do. If God didn't love the church, he lets you live like you want to live. If God didn't love the church, he just lets you keep going in the way you're going and head straight off into hell. But God loves the church. And God's got a desire that the church be set in order to stay in order and to have a place that is sound in doctrine and a place where the office of the pastor is operating well and is operating scriptural. Verse number one, or chapter number one gives us that clear picture. Now listen to me now. It is vital, it is vital that a church have proper doctrine. Everybody all say amen. It is vital for a church to have proper doctrine. It is vital for a church to have proper leadership. It is vital for the church to have proper structure. Watch this. I believe that it's equally vital for the church to have men and women in the church that hear the Word of God, that heed to the Word of God, that cooperate in the work of God, and they help build the local church, and it doesn't matter who the pastor is. Amen. Listen to me tonight. I struggled in chapter number one as I preached on God's plan for God's man. And here's why I struggled. I didn't struggle about the preaching or or believing it because I believe it. Here's where I struggled. I struggled making application to you. Your majority in here ain't preachers in here. Majority of our crowd's not pastor and you're never going to be. And listen, there's some of you God wants to use you uh, and wants to yield, but some of you are never going to be a pastor. And so trying to make that application to you, uh, uh, those qualifications of a pastor, I struggle with that. But watch this tonight. I'm not struggling. I'm not struggling tonight what we're going to deal with. Not, now listen to me. It's not that I don't have a burden. Because if you listen, I've got a burden for every person in this room. I've got a burden I've got a, a, a burden for this church as a whole and you as an individual to see you be the best that God has for you. That God wants so much more out of every single person in this room. I have a heart. I have compassion. I'm speaking out of love and everything I say tonight I pray will be guarded with that, that love that God has put in my heart for this place and for the people of this place. Uh, so, so listen to me. Here's chapter number two. We roll from chapter number one, the qualifications of the pastor, to chapter number two, the qualifications of the member of the church. Now, Dr. Lee Robertson, and I agree with the statement to a degree, 
was, is famously quoted for this statement. Everything rises and falls on leadership. You probably heard him say that in real life. And I agree with that, but I think we could add something to it. Everything rises and falls on leadership. But I believe this, everything also rises and, follows, uh, rise and falls on followship. Hello? I know some men that are pastoring. They've got a heart for God. They live a holy life. They've got a burden. They've got a, a desire to see God do something, but the churches they're in, it didn't matter if Paul the Apostle rose from the dead to be their pastor. Hello? Because the churches they're in, they're not moving. They're not going nowhere. They're not, no matter of fact, there's one down the road right now. They're bragging about canceling church services because the crowd's down. They were having to have two morning services because they couldn't fit the crowd in the building. They was having Wednesday night church and they were having to meet in the building, in the church building and in the fellowship hall on Wednesday night. And they were bragging about how whoopee, whoopee now. We only having one morning service and we ain't having no Wednesday night church. And we're not having no, no more uh, all these other services we was having. We're downgrading our service times. And they're bragging about it. I know good men, good men of God pastoring churches. They've got the right leadership, but they don't have the right fellowship. And it takes the leadership and the fellowship being on the same page. If that ain't on your page or my page, that's on God's page. <laughs> so it's vital for us to have right leadership, but it's vital for us to have right membership. I'll say this, that goes for a church as a whole, that goes to individuals as well. Judas is proof that you can have the best pastor in the world and not turn out right. Hello, Judas had Jesus as his pastor. Never done nothing wrong. And Judas went off into hell. And so you're not going to blame who your pastor's been or who your pastor is or all that other stuff about your failures. And that old recovering crowd's got their podcast will do it. But you won't do it and stand before God that way. God ain't going to hear that mess. You are responsible for you. And listen to me now. We've got to have the right leadership, but you've got to be the right kind of membership. And listen, I say you, but I'm a member here too. So we've got to be right. I believe this, the health of a church will be determined by the men and women who make up the body of that church. I think it does not matter who the pastor is if the men and women of the church don't love God, love His Word, and live it out. Listen, many churches are not healthy because the men and women of that church don't know what it takes to be a person of God. They, they don't labor and they don't see the vision of leadership. and They don't go after God themselves individually. And so when a church gets full of that crowd, that church will be anemic and dead. Titus has been warned that there are some who are not right inside the church. Y'all see the first word of our text tonight? The word but. That's a conjunction. That means that it's tying verse number 1 to the previous verse in chapter 1 in verse number 16. Notice what your Bible says in verse number 16. They profess that they know God. They say they know God. They speak the right things. They testify of the right thing. They profess with their lips that they know God. But finish the statement. Look what he says. But in works. They deny him. They got a good testimony. They got a good song. 
They say they're saved. They claim they're spiritual. But you watch them walk. You watch them work. You watch their life and their life denies them. And look what God said about it being abominable. Oh my. And disobedient. Watch this. And unto every good work reprobate. Here's what it says. That's they are living a wasted life, a rejected life. They're saying one thing out of their mouth, but living something else out of their life. And so, there's an admonition to beware of those kind of people. Don't be that kind of person, but then don't hang around that kind of person. They claim to know the Bible, they claim to know God, but their walk does not match. Here's a statement. Your walk talks, and your talk talks. But your walk talks louder than your talk talks. Hello? Your talk talks, your, but, and your walk, walk, walk talks. But your walk talks louder than your talk talks. Meaning, your actions speak louder than your words. I can't hear you preaching to me because I see you living in front of me. I can't hear what you're saying because your life is blasting over the noise. Your life is not magic. So beware of those people. And here's, here's the admonition to those in the churches in Crete. Watch this. To be men and women and those are to be men and women of God. Tonight I'm going to preach to us men. Ladies, take a break. Say amen. Help me out. It's coming for y'all. Okay, <laughs> yep, you're not getting out of it. I'm not going to tell you what's Wednesday I'm going to preach on it, so I, some of you just skip out on it. I'm not going to tell you what's Wednesday, but it won't be next Wednesday because I won't be here. All right? I want to talk about our men. What I mean by that, I want to look at what the Bible says about what our men ought to be. You know what I believe we need is revival of masculinity. I'm going to tell you what I just told my 7th and 8th grade boys just earlier today, I'm going to tell you three the same thing. And y'all on the back, watch this. And you right there, and you right there, and you right there. I'm going to tell from the youngest to the oldest in here about what we need a revival of. Y'all ready for this? A man, you might, you might could take a bear by your bare hands and rip him to shreds. That don't make you no man. Y'all probably run from a bear. I would too. You might could strip a motor out of a vehicle with your bare hands without a cherry picker and carry that thing around. That don't make you no man. You know what will make you a man, a man, Ashton? You know what will make you a man? You know what will make you a man? Leading your home. Leading the church. Leading this country. And we need a revival. Now listen, you ought to work. Amen. But you may not be, you may not be scrappling with a bear. I mean, I don't know. That's crazy anyway. But you may not be a big burly man. I don't care how many weights you lift. I've probably lifted more. But I can find somebody who can if, he, if I couldn't. I can lift a lot of weight just getting out of the chair. Amen. <laughs> Are you listening? I mean, somebody said, can you do a push-up? I mean, you can't bench press this much either. So we've got a wrong idea because we've got, we've got ditches on both sides of what manhood really is. We've got this one side. They wouldn't know God if he walked up with a name tag on. Amen. Hey, it ain't enough for you to be saved. Are you spiritual? We're going to get there in just a minute. Then we've got this other side so effeminate. That's against the word of God too. You might not be a sodomite, but you talk like a girl, walk like a girl, prince around like a girl. You're against the word of God. Effeminate. 
effeminate. Amen. Soft noodle back. Bunch of no- Hey, listen. There's a ditch on both sides. But a real man is going to lead his home in the things of God. He's going to lead the church in the things of God. He's going to lead this country in the things of God. He's going to be a leader, and he's going to want to do his best for the glory of God. And know that means if I do the, for the glory of God, everything else takes care of itself. And so, so our church, I'm going to tell you what should set our church different, apart from all the other churches around here. It ought to be our men. I'm telling you. There's some churches around here, if they was to let a man-eating lion out, he'd starve to death before he found a man. Hello? Hey, are you listening? We need to be a church. We need to be a church that our men make the difference. So I got a question, men, before we get started. How do the men of the White Grace Baptist Church respond to the Word of God? How do we respond to the Word of God? Now listen to me. I'm not going to be real, real hard here, but I'm going to be a little bit hard. Men ought to be vocal in the church. Amen. What I mean by that is men ought to amen at the church. And I may not can hear it, but your family ought to. I think it's a shame and a disgrace. I think it's child abuse for your child to be raised on your same pew their whole life and never hear a holy grunt out of their daddy. Amen. You know, I like that. I didn't ask you. I didn't ask your permission. I didn't submit my notes to you tonight. We ought to hear men amen in the church. Watch it. We ought to hear men sing in the church. You are being disobedient not to Will Allen, not to Brother Tyler Harris, not to Brother Tim Witt, or anybody else. You are being disobedient to the word of God if you don't sing unto the Lord. Amen. Singing time ain't fellowship time. Singing time ain't conversating time. Singing time ain't shaking hand time. A singing time ain't talking time. It ain't texting time. Singing time is singing time. We need some men in the church to be vocal again. I'm telling you what's why we've got women running everything down in our country and down in the in the in the the country, the county, the state, and everywhere and at the home is because men are not vocal down the church. Most men only roost on their bedpost at night. God help. I'd be ashamed of myself if my kid didn't hear me say, again, I don't care if the preacher hears it or not, but my kids ought to hear it. It might not be loud enough for the whole church to hear it, but my kids on my pew, my wife on my pew and me ought to hear me say, amen, that's right. Amen, hallelujah. Now, I'd prefer it to be a lot louder. Amen. Amen. I'd prefer for me to hear it every now and then. (laughs) But I say this, my family ought to hear it. And so, how do you respond to the Word of God? What about this? How do you respond when the preaching comes to where you're living? You act like a little sissy boy on the ride home. Can't believe that preacher said that. You sissy. I can't believe he would say something. He was pointing at me. He was preaching to me. You little crybaby. Grow up. Get a backbone. Amen. How do you respond to the Word of God? Well, watch this. How do we respond to the worship of God? We ought to be leading this church in worship. We ought to be teaching our boys how to worship. Sitting there like a bump on a log. Maybe because they watch the older men sit like a bump on a log. Hey, listen, we ought to be leading this church in the worship of our great God and great King. We ought to be leading your homes in worship. Thank God. Mamas are the heart of the home. But daddies ought to be leading in that worship. 
And it's different when they hear mama pray. I know it's different when they hear mama sing. It's different. I'm talking about a good kind of different. But I'm telling you, there's something about a man leading his home in worship. Leading his home in the word, word of God. Let me hurry. I'm, I'm, I've got too long, too long. Number one, look at the speech of the man of God. Look what it says, but speak thou. Y'all see it? Y'all see it? You watch your Bibles now. Bring your Bible to church, by the way. I use my iPad. Bring your Bible to church. I use my, my, my phone. I doubt that you probably can't play Candy Crush. Is that even a game anymore? I don't even know if that's a game anymore, but if you're playing it, you, you lame. You're a loser. Amen. If you're playing games in church or texting in church or Facebooking in church, you are a loser. Amen. No, you're lame, buddy. Amen. And so, so get your Bibles. What's what your Bible say? But speak thou. Notice the speech of the man of God. That word speak right there has the idea of a continual, continual, consistent speaking. Here's what that means. He's not double-tongued. You don't say one thing around this crowd and one thing around that crowd and one thing around that crowd. He doesn't speak out of both sides of his mouth. Appreciate that. I, I'm, I'm a good friend. How you doing all that kind of stuff? Man, I can't stand that guy. Love you, preacher, and everything. I can't stand that preacher. I wish he'd croak. Man, I appreciate that preacher. I wish he'd stop preaching so long and so loud and so hard. He's not double-minded. Because a double-minded man is unstable in how many of his ways? All of them. His speech is consistent. What you hear him talk about today, you're going to hear him talk about tomorrow. And what you hear him talk about at the church house, you're going to hear it down at the farmhouse and the workhouse and their house and the White House and the courthouse and everywhere else's house. They're consistent. They're consistent and they are constant. They are continual. He has integrity, not duplicity. What does that mean? Duplicity means he's got a double life. He's got a church life and a work life and a home life and a with the boys life, but it's around the girls life and the youth group's life and the school kids life and the other folks that I don't hang out with either at church or school or my, or my family's life. My, church, my family that goes to church life and my family that don't go to church life, that's duplicity. No, 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 no. A man of God doesn't have speech that's duplicit. He has a, a speech that is, has integrity, meaning no matter where he's around, who he's around, he is the same. He is continual. He is consistent. It is a prepared speech. Now, it doesn't mean that he's wrote out a speech. He didn't write out a, a lecture. But it means this. He is prepared by the Word of God. He is bathed in the Word of God. He is seasoned with the grace of God. He is seasoned with the Spirit of God. He has prepared his mouth because he's prepared his mind with the Word of God. He's just not shooting off at the lip. He's just not talking to be talking. It's prepared. He's not just saying something to be saying something. He has got something to say. He is prepared with the Word of God. But watch this. It's not only prepared, but it's pure speech. Ephesians chapter number 4. Hey, for y'all that think cussing's cool, I'm going to tell you what cussing does. It makes you look like an idiot is what it does. Amen. You look like a blow, you look like a fool to use cuss words. Are you listening? You are acting like a, listen, you are a fool if you use cuss words. Watch this now. Watch what the Bible says in verse number, chapter Ephesians 4, verse 29. Let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth 
but that which is good to the use of edifying, that it may minister grace unto the hearer. Listen, a man of God's speech is pure. It's not vulgar. It's not cursing. It's not coarse. It's not crude. It's not suggestive. It, it, it is pure by the word of God. But watch this. It's prepared. It's pure. But it's a preached speech. Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaketh. Oh, it just slipped. No, it slipped because you didn't want to get caught. It's in there. It is a preached speech. Here's what I mean. There ought to be a difference in our speech than all those that are around us. Our speech testifies who we are. Our speech testifies whose we are. Somebody said, should I, should I tell everybody I'm a Christian? Well, how about just living like one? I'm not taking away from the gospel out of our lips. We ought to give the gospel our lips. But your speech, as far as just how you live and how you talk on a regular day-to-day, testifies who you are. It's amazing people to work with somebody for 20 years and never know they go to church. It's amazing. They do business with somebody for 30 years and never know they're a Christian. Never been, never once had the idea, oh, that man goes to church. Oh, that man, that young man been working for us all this time. I didn't know he went to church nowhere. I didn't know he was a Christian. I didn't know he believed God. I thought he's lost. I thought he's a worldling. I thought he's just like me. Listen, 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 listen to me. Listen to me. And down at the job, if they, if they invite you to the parties, hanging out, or if they send you the nasty videos and the nasty memes and the nasty other stuff throughout the social media, it's because they think you're like them. It's not their fault, it's yours. Amen. I'm not, hey, one time, that may be one time, it may be they didn't know, but I'm telling you, if they're always sending you that stuff, it's because you've opened the door for that stuff. Amen. That goes for men and women in here. Amen. Your speech is a preached speech. You are preaching a message in this world. What are you saying? What's the message you're preaching? Who are you, your speech, who's it testifying you are? God, help us to be mighty men of God. Our speech ought to be continual. Watch this. Our speech ought to be doctrinal. Notice your Bible. But speak thou the things which become sound doctrine. Doctrine. Doctrine is the glue that holds our church together. Are you listening? That's what sets us apart from every organization. Preference is not what glues us together. Doctrine is what holds us together. Well, I don't like that church because they have green carpet. I'm going to a church with a red carpet. That's not church. I mean, that's silly. You said people don't really do that. You ever heard some stuff I've heard? It's not preferences that glue us together. Doctrine is what holds us together. It's what sets us apart from every organization. We're not the Elks Lodge and we're not the daughters of the American Revolution and we're not the sons of the Confederacy. We're not the, the mooses or the, or the other gooses or whatever else is going on out there. Uh, we're not the Masons or other, other kind of lodges with secret societies. Hey, we are a church and the doctrine sets us apart. And it ought to come out of our speech. Amen. Look, look, 1 Timothy, you're in Titus. Flip back to 1 Timothy. 1 Timothy 6, verse number 3. Look what it says. Look what it says. This is a filter for what we ought to be talking about down at church. Y'all ready? If any man teach otherwise and consent not, consent not to wholesome words, even the words of our Lord Jesus Christ, and to the doctrine 
which is according to godliness. He is proud, knowing nothing, but darting about questions and strifes of words, whereof cometh envy, strife, railings, evil surmisings, perverse disputings of men, of corrupt minds, and destitute of the truth, supposing that gain is godliness. Watch this. From such withdraw thyself. What shall we be talking on the church property about? Jesus, the Bible, doctrine. Hey, listen to me. This is a filter for what we ought to be discussing. Watch this. Your spirituality will show through your speech. What you're talking about is where your heart's at. Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. Your mouth, your mouth is going to tell us if you know more about God or know more about men. If I was to ask you tonight, we've been studying out the Bible. Could you answer that question? But if I ask you tonight what you saw on the news today, could you answer that question? Which one's more important? Just talk. Now listen, are we going to talk about what we see on the news? Sure. Are we going to talk about sports and, and dove season opening up on Saturday and, and all the bulldogs winning and all that? Are we going? Yeah, 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 yeah. That's all going to come, all right? But if you can sit with a man for a whole hour lunch break and God, the Bible, Jesus don't ever get brought up, Something wrong. And I don't mean you got to sit with them a whole year to figure that out. I mean, your, our speech, men, if we're going to be men of God, it ought to just tell on us that we're Christians. Hey, you know what? There's sometimes watching a ball game, I say, amen. And that ain't the right word at a ball game. <laughs> but you know what? People probably think, man, that must be a Christian. Sometimes they'll score a foot touchdown. I say, hallelujah. Glory to God. Amen. You know what? It's not because I'm just sanctified. It's just that's the way I speak. That's the way I speak. You know what? We ought to speak differently in this world. It's, it ought to be continual. It ought to be consistent. But watch this. It ought to be doctrinally. I'll tell you what we don't need. We don't need these mealy-mouthed, womaning, woman, woman-y men. Y'all get what I'm saying? We don't need this murmuring, complaining men. Just always talking negative. Always talking about negative about everybody else, but them and their family, right? My four and no more. You know, we do everything right. We got everything together. Usually a crowd like that, they ain't got nothing together. And everybody knows it but them. Huh. We've got, we've got, we've got this parenting thing figured out, and all their kids are going to hell. Well, you ain't got something figured out. Listen, we don't need this mealy-mouthed men. We need men of God. We need men at this church who stay close to God. We need, we need to stay close not only to God, but we need to stay close to the things of God. You know what? We need some men to be dogmatic about some things. We need some stubborn men at White Graves Baptist Church. Y'all ready? Some of y'all wives getting nervous right there. <laughs> no, we don't, preacher. We got enough of that. No, 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 no. We need some men stubborn about the things of God. We need some men stubborn about the things of God. Stubborn, stubborn to the point. And I don't mean being, I don't mean mean-spirited. I don't mean being a jerk for Jesus, but I do mean this, being stubborn, stubborn enough when that folk down at the workhouse or that folks down at the schoolhouse or the folks wherever you get around people at, when they want to do when they say a dirty word or a dirty joke, you've got a you got a dogmatic, I'm not I'm not going that way, a dogmatic look about you, a dogmatic life about you, that I'm not headed that way. They know one time and they ain't doing that again. Man, man, he's He's a holy roller. 
Man, he 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 thinks he's better than everybody. I mean, he didn't laugh at my joke. He didn't respond to my meme. He didn't respond to my little TikTok video, whatever a TikTok video is. TikTok, some of you need for your breath. But I, I don't know why, why don't he want to have a good time? Stubborn, dogmatic about the things of God. Hey, you know we we need some men like daddies granddaddies and uncles or whoever else you know we some men of God that's stubborn about how, how your, your family's going to walk out of the house we ain't walking out like that get yourself back in there and change get you some clothes on get your hair cut amen pull them britches up amen you look like a bum hey we need some dogmatic men to raise our families right amen like, mama we ain't going there but they, all my family's going to be there. We ain't going there. They're drinking and listening to country music. But all my family, we ain't going. My kids ain't going. They my kids, but they, I gave birth to them. They're my kids. They was in me first, amen. Hey, listen. Hey, they're the seed of me. They're the seed of the man. They're not going. Amen, friend. You listen to me. We need some men that are dogmatic. Standing no, we're not going to the drinking party. We're not going to the country music festival. We're not going to the rap music festival. We're not going to the rap music festival. No, no, we're not going to the contemporary church. Amen. No, we're not going down there where the preacher's got his Bermuda shorts on and his, and his sodomite v-neck shirt on. We're not going down there where he's preaching out an NIV Bible and they got the strobe lights on the stage so the little mime, the little people out there with their hands, hand gloves on are going to dance around and, and give a little show for Jesus. We're not doing that. No, we're not going down the cool place. That's where all the crowd's going. You, you hear me? I'm talking about we need some men that are stubborn and dogmatic about the things of God again. It's amazing what we get stubborn and dogmatic about, but not the things of God. I'm talking about it ought to be doctrinally. It ought to be, it ought to be continual. Watch this, but it ought to be practical. No that word but. I don't mention it, but let's say it again. Let's, let's mention it again where it ties us into verse number 16. And it says this, the works deny him. You got to be able to put this stuff in shoe leather. But this is, this is in contrast to verse 16 in chapter 1. It's good to have right doctrine. It's right to have right doctrine. But we ought to be able to apply it to our lives. See, that's the problem is everybody likes doctrine preaching until I say stuff like I just said. Because that's practical preaching. Amen. Don't tell me how to live, preacher. Well, then you're going to have to rip up your lot of your Bible. You're going to have to take a lot of your Bible to have a preacher that ain't going to preach on how you're supposed to live. Amen. Practically applied. Listen, you cannot separate what you believe with how you behave. You can't. What you believe shows out in how you behave. Well, I believe y'all to live right. No, you don't, because you don't live right. I believe y'all to talk right. No, you don't, because you don't talk right. I believe y'all to keep yourself pure before marriage. No, you don't, because you ain't keeping yourself pure before marriage. Are you listening? I believe y'all to be faithful to your spouse. No, you don't, because you're not faithful to your spouse. Are you listening? Listen, you cannot separate what you believe with how you behave. How you behave tells us how you believe. It's practical. And a man of God's speech ought to be distinctly different from the world's speech. And so I ask you this question on the thing of speech, and then, oh my goodness, does your speech tell that you know God or do you know man? Your speech, number two, the spirit of a man of God. 
the aged men. Now, one man historically says the aged men in this group would be 50 and above. I don't know if that's right or wrong. I don't know. I'm not there yet. I'm not 50, and, and I feel like I'm aged now. <laughs> I'm not 35. But I'll say this. These things ought to be true for all men, but they ought to be sharper in the old men. These things, these few things we're going to run through real quickly they, they should be true for all men, but they ought to be sharper for old men. And I'm going to tell you what, in the ministry, been in ministry 18 years, that's a short time compared to some, a lot of people. But I, I'm telling you where I've had a lot of my disappointments, Brother Wayne, has been in some old men and the way they acted in the church. You hear me? I'm thankful for some old men. And I said the other day, I'm thankful for, for older men. I don't mean old men, but you're older than me. <laughs> but old, older men who've been faithful. And I'm thankful for the old men who poured into my life and the older men who are now dead and gone that invested in me and became a friend to me and mentored me and gave me examples of faithfulness and all that kind of stuff. But I'm telling you, it has disappointed me as a young man to watch some of the old men not be men of God. And I don't mean the preachers. That's disappointing too. But I mean the ones in the pew. I mean the ones that go to the church. Why? Because their spirit was not right. Older men are vital to this church. But not if they're not spiritual. We don't need a bunch of carnal old men because they will ruin a church. Hello? We need spiritual old men. We need Why? Because if, if the old men are spiritual, the church is healthy. And if the old men are carnal, the church will be anemic and die. What are they supposed to be? Look real quick, and I'm almost done. They ought to be sober. That's what it says. The aged men be sober. Free from indulgence. Here's what that means. He is not going to indulge his appetite in things that are going to cause harm to the church or to, cause, or to the cause of Christ. A sober man is not a people pleaser. He's a God pleaser. The sober man will give godly counsel, not worldly wisdom. The sober man is a man who, who thinks right. He uses his mind before he uses his mouth. He's sober. Number two, he's serious. Oh, that word grave. That word grave, sober, grave. That word grave means he's not, it doesn't mean he's a stick in the mud. It just means this, that he, he's not trivial. He's disciplined. His thoughts are on the things of God. His thoughts are those things that are holy, those things that are pure, those things that are just, those things that are good, those things that are virtuous. And watch this, he doesn't find entertainment in the ungodly. He's serious, he's sober. Watch this, he's self-controlled. He's temperate, that's what the Bible says, temperate. Here's what, what temperate means, it means he knows how to turn away from the things that will cause harm, even if it's popular in society or popular amongst the church crowd. If it's going to cause harm to the body of Christ, if it's going to cause harm to the cause of Christ, he is self-controlled. He knows how to turn away. He knows how to say no. He knows how to control himself. So we see the spirit of the man of God. We see the speech of the man of God. And lastly, and I'm done, is the soundness of the man of God. Notice he says, but he said this in verse number 2. That the age of man be sober, grave, temperate, sound in faith, in charity, in 
patient. That word sound is the same root word, is the same word we get our word for hygiene. That word for sound is the same word we get our word hygiene. You know what hygiene is? Some of you need to know a little bit better about it. But hygiene. <laughs> I'll just see if y'all awake or not. I don't know, some of you. Hygiene, like brushing your teeth, taking a bath, boys. You still need to do that, okay? Here's what it means. Y'all ready? Clean living. Sound means clean living. Sound means clean. And watch, here's what three areas are going to be sound in. You'll be clean in. Clean in your faith. What is faith? That's just believing. Believe in God. You know what we need at the White Grace Baptist Church is some men that just believe God. We need some men that believe God, that believe His Word, and that believe His promises. We need some men when the money ain't in the bank. We say, we believe God wants us to support missionaries. When we don't have money in the bank, God wants us to get the gospel to all the world. When, ain't no, when, they, when things ain't looking good, God wants us uh, to build a building. God wants us uh, to do this work or that work. God wants us to bust the kids in. God wants us uh, to go to the street corner. God wants us to go to jail. God wants us to buy some more tracks. God wants us uh, to do the work that he's called us. We just need submit that believe God faith clean in our faith we need some men that believe souls can still be saved we need some men that still believe that revival still can happen we need some men that believe the world can be evangelized in our generation we can fulfill the great commission that God can do anything but fail we need to believe God men do you believe God clean in faith watch this clean sound in charity Love, benevolence. Here's what I believe a man, a man of God will love God. A man of God will love the church. You know why you ought to love the church? And I don't mean the church building. I don't mean the church property. That's what some people mistake. That's why these churches fold, some churches need to fold up around here. Because all they care about is a building and a property. They don't care nothing about people going to hell. They don't care about nothing about people not hearing the gospel. They just, as long as we got our little building, as long as we got our little building on the parking lot, nobody's going to take that from us. God help that crowd. It's in my crawl right now. Can't tell. Watch this crowd. Watch this. It ain't, we ought to love the building. We ought to take care of it. It's God's property, y'all. But listen, God loves the church. It means, I mean, the man of God loves the church. Here's why. Because God loves the church. God loved the church so much he died for it. He's not a bitter old man. But he's a loving, compassionate man. And when he sees that young person messing up, he doesn't, he doesn't get bitter and mad about it. He, he goes to God in prayer about it. He starts praying over them. And he starts investing in them. And pouring into them instead of belittling them, and berating them, and hollering at them. But goes in there and invests into him and prays for him. Sees that family struggling. He don't talk bad about him. He helps and gives towards whatever the need is. He's a loving, benevolent man. I'm talking about a man of God. He's clean in faith, clean in charity, but lastly, he's clean in patience. Some of y'all's patience wearing thin, and I know it's getting late. Here's what it means. Here's what patience means. Y'all ready? Not swerved from his purpose of serving God. We've known a lot since that. I don't make me happy to say. There's some men that the church ordained to pastor or ordained to be a deacon a long time ago. 
They hold on to that. Seventy years ago, they ordained me to be a deacon. I'm a deacon at the church. They ordained me to be a deacon. And they might have been spiritual at the time. They may have walked with God at the time. They might have been, a, I mean, God-fearing man. They might have been the man that we're talking about tonight. But they ain't no more. Why? Because they swerved. They swerved from the things of God. They might have swerved because their kids got out in the world and they didn't like the preacher preaching against it. They might have swerved because, you know, that Bible's good for, you know, just to preach Jesus, just preach Jesus to us, just preach Jesus to us. Well, I will. But there's a lot more than in this Bible than just being saved. They swerved from the things of God. See, a man of God has patience to finish the course being faithful. You know what we need men to do? We need men to refocus. We need men to refocus even when the family dynamic changes. I, I'm not saying this any any kind of bad spirit, but like 10 years ago, I'd preach on stuff and when the kids were little. When the, when the kids were little, it's amen, preacher. I've had them meet me in the pew when their kids were little, I'd preach on stuff and they'd say, I, I, hope you'll, I hope you'll keep preaching that when my kids are older. I've had them meet me in the foyer and say, well, I hope you're still preaching that when my kids start dealing with that stuff as teenagers. And they're not here tonight because I preached on it when their kids were teenagers. And they didn't like it. I've had them stand up in my face and say, you keep preaching it straight. You keep preaching it strong. You won't ever preach me out of here. You won't might be, preach me to an altar, but you won't preach me out. I'm sticking with the stuff, and you may you preach it tighter than I can live it. But I'm telling you, you keep preaching it straight. And tonight, the reason I'm not being ugly, but the reason they've left the things of God, the reason they've left the church of God, is because they said it was too tight. I just think you're a legalist. I think you're just too hard on that. I just think you ought to back down on that. Stop saying this and stop saying that. Here's what patience is, y'all. Is even when the family dynamic changes, we still stay faithful. Here's what patience is. Even when the country goes to hell like it is, we still stay faithful. And even when the job situation's not the same, we stay faithful. And even if the majority of the church ain't going to be faithful, we stay faithful. A man of God is stable. A man of God is settled. A man of God is sure. The speech of a man of God is distinct. The spirit of the man of God is different. And the soundness of the man of God is definite. We need men of God at the White Graves Baptist Church. God's got a plan for this church. And God's got a plan for his man. We see that in chapter 1 as far as the, the pulpit man, the preacher man. But God's got a plan for the member man. God's got a plan for each and every one as men of God. You know what we ought to do from the oldest to the youngest in here is strive to be a man of God. I, I've told you, I'll say this to the church and I've said it to these young men. I hate the word teenager. You're supposed to be young men. According to the Bible, there's no such thing as a teenager. You go from a lad to a young man. You need to be young men of God. Y'all need to be young men of God. You need to be young men of God. Some of you, and you can call yourself middle-aged, old, wherever you fit in, need to be men of God.
refocus, refire, and get faithful to God. Be patient.